0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that there are no mistakes or coincidences. Coincidences? Is that how you say that? (laughs) My ESL is coming up. Um, In you, Jesus. God, I thank you that... You have prepared every heart to hear your word, and your word is going to fall on good soil this morning. So if you are where you can hear my voice, you were meant to be here this morning. So at the beginning of last year, I had plans. And those plans were very much disrupted. And it's not what you think. Um... At the beginning of January, I found out that I was six, about six weeks with child. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, babies. Um, And if Josh and I, we have like this incredible privilege and grace, and I know this is not everybody's story, but this is just kind of how God has blessed us is that we kind of have gotten to choose the timing of every one of our kids we kind of just decide we're going to make this baby and we we do it um however that happens (laughs) and so I had plans at the beginning of last year um and they were very much disrupted and so I find out at the beginning of January that I was pregnant, but I didn't, like, choose the timing of this one. And I was genuinely in utter shock and dismay. Not because there's a baby coming. Like, that was exciting, and I didn't have to choose whether I was done, done having babies or not. That was kind of done for me. But I was, like, deer in the headlights. Like, how is my plan going to work with all of this and how are all of the things and projects that I want to do gonna happen because if you've known me or been around me you know like pregnancy is hard on my body it takes absolutely every ounce of my like physical emotional and mental energy to grow a baby and so my plans were kind of not working out for me and I think Josh and I probably thought we had a lot more control over our lives than we actually did. And so for about two weeks, I kind of walked around with deer in the headlights, moping my plans. So I walked around, kind of not really sure what to do in utter shock, and until one day, if you know our families, we kind of share this big house. It's kind of like a duplex-style thing. And we share a laundry room with the Edwardsons. And so I was in the laundry room. I don't know what I was doing. It was just all a fog. And Charlotte comes out of our door. And I don't think I'd even talk to her that morning. I don't know. I probably hadn't seen her for a couple of days. She comes out, and she just grabs me by the shoulders. She looks me in the face, and she goes, okay, you're done. It's time and I lost it and I just started crying and I surrendered Romans 12:1 says I urge you dear brothers in view of God's mercy to offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God which is your spiritual act of worship And then it goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may approve what God's will is. His good, acceptable, perfect, pleasing will. Now, what is a reasonable act of worship? I want you to keep that question in the back of your mind. Um, we're gonna look at the life of this man. We're gonna actually kind of do a bird's eye view of the life of one of the most um, highlighted men in scripture. And now, is that, is my th- thing up there? Can we, I just wanna show you. Can you just tell me in the chat? Can you tell me in the chat who that is? Bonus points for whoever writes it first. And I'm, I'm probably going to ask you to write a lot of things during this service because I want to know that we're here, that we're tracking. And that is Michelangelo's David for you that I have very tastefully cropped for church this morning. Um, so did y'all, are y'all writing it in the chat? Tell me who that is. Who won? Anyways, um, the Bible talks about David. Uh, actually, there's over 141 chapters about David in the Bible I think there's something here that like God didn't want us to miss. Uh, he was kind of like this big figure in, in history, really. Um, there's another beautiful picture I was going to show you guys. There you go. That's by Rembrandt. You didn't know you were going to learn about art today at church, did you? I just love that one. That's, that's a depiction of David playing the heart for Saul. I don't think he really looked like that, though. I think Michelangelo was on to something. Um, so there's over 40, 141 chapters in the Bible about David. God's highlighting his life to us. And so I hope that today, as we kind of look at his life, we're going to do a big journey throughout his whole life this morning. That you would catch some of those habits that kind of he developed, um, some of the choices that he made. And I know that they're going to prove helpful to us in our journey to deepen our relationship with Jesus. And today, if you're just checking out church, if you're wondering about Christianity, I know that you're going to find something that you'll, you're going to be able to connect with, at least in the life of David, because He did a lot of stuff and experienced a lot of things. Um, So the story opens up with the prophet of God, Samuel, coming to anoint a new king. He's coming to the house of Jesse because he's got a lot of sons. And he's coming to his house, and he's coming in secret. And the reason he's doing that is because Saul is still still on the throne. Like, he's still king over Israel. Uh, But the Bible says, you know, Saul didn't obey God's commands. He was kind of about his own glory um, and it even says that God's spirit had departed from him. So the prophet comes to Jesse's house, and a lot of us probably know this story. He calls out all of Jesse's sons. Jesse brings them out. The oldest comes out. He's gorgeous. He's, it says that he's tall. He looks like a king. He's handsome. And like I'm sure Saul's like getting his horn ready. It's full of oil, and he's about to pour it on. And the Lord's like, Stop. You're looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking for a heart. And so basically this process happens through all of the sons in the house. And God doesn't tell Samuel that it's any of them. And Samuel kind of turns to Jesse probably and is like, is this all your sons? And he's like, wait, we got one out back. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we have the youngest one. He's out back with the sheep. Um, So he's like, call him in. So David comes in. I'm sure he, like, came running in. He was the youngest, so he was the smallest And the Lord says, this is my man. And so the prophet pours the horn of oil over David because that's kind of what what they would do to symbolize that you were being anointed to be king over the people of Israel. And the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David in that moment. Um, Now, he didn't become king right then and there. He continued working for his dad. He was 15 years old. And in fact, it would be another 15 years till he would be on that throne. He was in the waiting, but I want us to look at kind of some things that David did throughout his life. David made time for God in the waiting. Um, He was learning God's ways. He was learning to trust him. He was getting good at shepherding on like expert levels. It says that he would um, literally with like 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 a, what is that? Slingshot, kill bears, he actually specifically says that he ran after a lion, took the lamb out of its mouth and saved it. So I don't think David was like this puny little guy. I think he was like getting buff out in the fields. Um... And somewhere in those fields, he wrote things like, Lord, when I look at the heavens, like how majestic is your name in all the earth, like the moon and the stars, you order them. What is man that you are mindful of him? Like these are the kind of things David's doing because the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he chose to kind of use that time to make time to learn. Um, he learned all these things in secret, right? With the smelly sheep. And now you're probably thinking, yeah, Kelly, but David didn't have a phone. So he just like stood out, you know, like looking at the stars thinking about God with the sheep. But David spent a lot of time in the lonely wilderness. And if there's anything that I know and I've heard a lot and I've experienced is in this season that's plaguing people is loneliness. David knew about God, but I believe that it was in these lonely kind of out there in the night, shepherds would stay the night, sometimes during lambing season, outside and sleep outside, that he learned to trust in the Lord, that he learned to confide in him, to just tell him all his stuff, right? He'd pray things like, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, like the things that nobody knows, can you make that pleasing to you, Jesus? David hadn't even been called to to the king's service, to Saul's service, kinda like we saw in that painting of by Rembrandt. Saul was looking for someone to come play the harp for him because he had this like bothering spirit. And so he was he was like trying to figure out what to do so they're like hey we know of this guy and and I'll tell you exactly what they said because it's pretty amazing because he had still been working as a shepherd and this is what people knew about David it says people knew that there was a man of valor a man of war he was prudent in speech and he wrote this in Psalm 19 and like most people Most theologians think that he wrote this while he was a shepherd. Still, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Another thing people that they said to Saul, hey, we know this guy was, he was a man of good presence. He knew who he belonged to and whose he was. He probably grew up knowing that his great granddaddy was Boaz. And if you've been in church for a while, you know that Boaz was just like an awesome guy. (laughs) Just a little throw, throwaway comment there that you can read about later. Anyways, and most of all, people what people knew about David was that the Lord was with him. So he wasn't worried about his reputation, got to care that for him. He just did what he was supposed to do, and he got really good at his job while trusting God. David was also really good, and he was about God's glory. He was really good at it. So he grows up, and then we come to the story of David and Goliath, right? David had still been kind of shepherding for his dad a little bit, but he was also working for Saul, playing the harp. And he's running uh, an errand for his dad one day, right? We all kind of know this story. He goes to the front lines, and he's like, hey, guys, uh, has anyone seen this guy that's coming out against, like, the people of God? And One interesting thing to note there is his older brother comes out to him. His name was Eliab. I don't know how to say that in English. Um, And his older brother comes and he says to David, what are you saying? And anyways, who'd you leave the sheep without in the wilderness? Like, basically he's saying, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And then the next thing he says is, I know there's evil in your heart, David. You just came here to see the battle, like to see us win. You just came here to make fun of us. And you know what I love about David and what he did? He just turned around and asked somebody else, so what's the reward for the man who kills this guy? And then the people answered him. He didn't even it didn't even faze him because he was sure and he knew who he belonged to. David was about God's glory because this is what he says when he's about to take down Goliath. He says, This day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel, and that all this assembly will know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. David was about giving glory to God. So he keeps serving this king who's like crazy, and now he's crazy jealous of him because people are singing songs about David and his amazing like feats. Um, he plots to kill him. There's a story there that says, like, David's playing the heart for him one night. And Saul's like, I'm going to spear him to the wall. So he grabs his spear, throws it at him. And David's like, ugh. He, like, gets out of the way twice, it says. He was just crazy. It gets so bad that later in life, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, um, it, they've become best friends with David. He's like, David, you got to get out. My dad's going to kill you. He's plotting to kill you. So David runs for his life. And then we come to another point that David was about. David trusted in the Lord. So he spent a lot of time as a young man running for his life, literally, in the wilderness, in the caves, in the mountains, all very, very lonely places. And he took time to write songs. And here's some of the things he said. He would bring all his emotion and his grief to God, all of himself to God. He said things like, turn to me and be gracious to me because I'm lonely and afflicted. He also wrote, bless the Lord, for he has heard my voice. He has answered my plea for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. This is the kind of thing he was learning while he was in the lonely places running for his life. And then later in life, that king, that kind of king that was running after him and trying to kill his life, Saul dies. And you know what David does? He mourns for him. He didn't rejoice in kind of like the death of his enemies. And then David turns 30, he becomes king. And as a king, he experienced so much grief and remorse, and sorrow. He was supposed to be on top. You know, he was like at the pinnacle of his life right now. Things had kind of lined up, but his heart kind of got away from him, and I think his emotions got the better of him, and his own sin caused the death of his son. And this is kind of a famous psalm that he wrote during this season. He said, God, I know my transgression. I know that my sins, they're ever before me. Like, I know my sins. And against you and you alone have I sinned. And he writes, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't take your spirit from me. Because he knew what that looked like. Because God's spirit had been taken from Saul. Then David it's kind of in his 60s. He did a lot of stuff. You can read about it in Samuel, First and Second Samuel. Later in life, once again, his own son turns against him. He kind of organizes this coup against his own dad, and David again has to run for his life in his 60s. David's life probably didn't turn out like what he thought it was going to look like, the day he was anointed when he was 15 years old. It took 15 years for, for, you know, for him to be on the throne from that day. He wasn't perfect. He didn't live a sinless life. We all know that him and Bathsheba, he committed murder. He did a lot of things. He royally messed up. He experienced very high highs and very low lows. He had great victories and huge failures. Yet he was a man that God himself called a man after my heart. And he does my will. And here's some things kind of that David did, right? Throughout every circumstance of his life. When he was afraid, he trusted God. When David was at the end of himself, he turned to God. When he sinned, he was like deeply repentant and sorrowful and mournful. And he kind of would throw himself at the mercies of God. He didn't rejoice in the death or failure of his enemies. Because I think he understood that God was completely in control. When he felt alone, he confessed it. He was a lifelong seeker of the Lord and a finder of him too. See, I think the reward of being a people after God's heart isn't that my life is going to turn out perfect or be just, just so and ordered. Um, I'm going to get everything I want if my heart is after God. The reward is being able to turn to an unmoving, unshakable, like never failing God. God. The reward is a life of on the inside, deep inside of our heart, being unafraid to live our life because we know that he's totally in control, that we don't conform to the rest of this world, that we know that God's plans for us are ultimately good. If we've surrendered our lives to him, the reward is to be able to walk with him in communion with God. You know that boy that interrupted my plans at the beginning of last year? It took my husband and I a little over a month to name him after he was born. And we wrestled with it. We like tried on these names that we thought fit. um, You know, but none of them stuck. Because it was always David. He was always the beloved. Remember when David was anointed king? He wasn't even in the room when Saul came to look for the boy. Nobody expected him to be the one. Not even Samuel the prophet. He was young. He was smelly. He was out in the sheep fields. There was even somebody else at the job that he was being appointed to do. But God had other plans. Today, maybe you feel like you're not even in the room. Maybe, you know, sometimes God's plans for our lives aren't even a thought in our minds. Maybe your life's like a total mess, and all you had expected is gone out the window. You're in good company. A few days ago, my husband and I were laying in bed, and we were talking about how we view our kids and kind of like how we view them each differently. And I said, you know, when I think about our girls, we have three daughters and I'm like, I just like, I start putting on Wonder Woman outfit and armor because I'm like, I'm going to go to war for them. I'm going to go to battle with them. Um, We're going to conquer this thing called life and we're going to win it. And that's just kind of what comes onto my heart when I think of my girls. But then I was like, but then when I look at David, I am like utterly broken and unraveled in every possible good way imaginable. And you see, I remembered that for about a whole year before um, David came, I'd been asking God to help me be more empathetic and to help me be kind and more patient, (laughs) to help me be more gentle Well, this little warrior baby is helping me do that right now. You see, God had been on the move and he is on the move. And God is on the move in your life if you're willing to surrender to him. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And I was thinking and thinking about that. And I I know that obedience can seem very costly sometimes. It can seem like the hardest thing to do. But Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. What we sometimes don't understand and we can't see and we can't comprehend is... God's plans for us are way better, way higher than anything we could possibly, like, imagine for ourselves. You know, like, the Bible... The Bible says that in his presence are pleasures forevermore. Like I can attest that like one minute of me being in God's presence is better than me walking around for like a whole day thinking, I got this. I know. I know that my life is under my control. One minute in his presence is way better than that. I'll tell you, while this baby is under our care, God is using him to work out more grace and joy and love and kindness and holiness in our lives until he kind of goes and does his own thing and fulfills the purposes of God for his life. But what is my reasonable act of worship right now but to surrender to the will of the Lord? Your true, some versions say, your true and proper worship, your best sacrifice of praise is to surrender to your creator. I've loved the progression of the last couple of Sundays. I don't know if you watched Stacy. Maybe you could just go back a few Sundays now. I watched Stacy's message, and I felt like he was just reminding us to kind of take inventory of our lives and say, God, how can I order my life in a way that um, is pleasing to you, that's surrender to Jesus, that will um, accomplish your kingdom? And then Caleb, last Sunday, he encouraged us to bring all of ourselves to the lord to like the good the bad and the ugly to confess it all pray it all out to him and worship and today my heart my desire is that we would be a people after god's own heart that we would do his will because this this all of it all of our lives laid down to the lord is our best and most spiritual act of worship Jesus says, are you weary? Come to me. Are you burdened? Come to me and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart and I will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the good news of Jesus is that you can come to him with all of your stuff. You can come to him with all of your junk. You bring your disappointment. You bring your lost plans. Bring your grief. Bring your calloused heart. Today, if you don't know Jesus... I want you to tell somebody, I want you to write something in the chat, send us a message, write an email, do something and somebody will come and like email you or call you. We will connect with you. Don't let this day pass you by. Don't let this day pass you by because you know what? There is an answer to loneliness. There is an answer to depression. There is an answer to to, um, anxiety. There's freedom from love of self and comfort. And his name is Jesus. And the best thing that we get out of it is relationship and communion and community with Jesus. That we get to walk this life out knowing whose we are. That even though we're out in the field, you know, with some sheep and people don't believe in our calling, I get to walk about knowing whose I belong to. I get to walk around in freedom, no matter what my life looks like, no matter what my circumstance looks like. Because I've decided to surrender my life to Jesus, and that is the best place that you could be. His sovereignty is the safest place for you. And so this morning, I just want to invite you, if you're at home, if you're listening in your car, Would you just take some time to say, Jesus, what is my spiritual act of worship? What can I lay down before you this morning? What are you calling me into today? And maybe it's just a heart shift. Maybe it's just a a mindset, you know, adjustment. Maybe it's... You know, obedience is saying no to something and saying yes to what God is calling you to. So I'm just going to pray for us this morning that your heart would return to the Lord. That you would know what your reasonable spiritual act of worship would be. That your whole life would be that for you. My whole life for you, Jesus. All of it, Lord even in the messy situations, even when I don't feel like it, in the middle of my grief, when I don't understand anything, Father, will you help me bring my life as a living sacrifice to you? Jesus, I pray for every person here. that they would have a meeting with their creator this morning and even this week that you would open their eyes to the goodness of knowing you and that we'd be able to say you know what when I entered God's presence I realized that as for me it is good to be near God father we don't want our life to look like the rest of this world Jesus, I don't want my life to look like the rest. I don't want my life to be plagued by anxiety. I don't want my life to be plagued by sin. I don't want my life to be plagued by these other worthless idols in our lives. You are worth it. As we were singing earlier today, Charlotte was singing about the cross and she was singing about Jesus who gave it all for us. He gave his whole life. So what is more reasonable than us laying down our whole life for him? So would you this morning choose to make your life a sacrifice of praise? Father, we thank you for this community. And we declare life and love and joy over every family and household represented. God, I declare that your plans for them are good that you have a hope and a future. Thank you Jesus. So we're just gonna end and if you have time right now would you just worship for just just a little bit before you move on with your day? Thank you Jesus. We'll just sing that chorus. Amen.
0: You know
1: you. Have a good week, and please reach out. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at Tree dot ca.